0: hey guys this is justin in this episode of excess returns jack and i look at the valuations of the major investing factors value momentum quality and low volatility stocks we talk through where each of these stands from an absolute and relative valuation standpoint explain how we calculate these and discuss what the figures may or may not indicate for investors we conclude that looking at all the statistics may not be the most important takeaway though rather understanding the why behind what is driving these factor valuations and how it plays into what is happening under the market surface and what we can learn from those trends. As always, thank you for listening. Please enjoy this discussion. All right, today we're going to talk about how an investor might look at valuing the most popular investing factors um, in the market. So um just as a lead into this, one of the things that we do here and we track at Validia is we we um look at stocks through the lens of the major investing factors: So value, momentum, quality and low volatility. And then we look at the valuations of those groups of stocks on a absolute and relative basis. Um, And we'll sort of talk about um, our methodology for doing that and and maybe some of the ways that we do it a little bit differently. Um, But to start, Jack, I think you kind of do a good job of sort of getting at understanding the difference, you know, to begin with, of, you know, relative uh, valuation versus absolute value valuation and why those things might be uh, important to look at.
1: Yeah, you know, this, this can be somewhat a, a topic that's somewhat confusing for investors because the idea that, you know, if, if the factor value is cheap or expensive can be tough for people to get their arms around because they think, well, value should always be cheap because value is cheap stocks. But what happens is over time, that group of cheap stocks can either be expensive relative to their history or not expensive relative to their history, or it can be expensive relative to growth or not expensive relative to growth. And and that's basically what factor valuation is. So you you, you talked about absolute and relative valuation. And what I just said is what they are. So Absolute valuation is I look at value stocks in general and I say, how cheap are value stocks in general? And then I compare that to the history of value stocks. So how, ch- how cheap have value stocks been? You know, on our site, we do it from 2006 to the present. From 2006 to now, how cheap have value stocks been just on a standalone basis and how cheap are they now relative to that and so you can sort of come up with a percentile ranking to give you an idea how absolutely cheap value is and then on a relative basis you can compare value to growth so you can say how cheap are value stocks right now how cheap are growth stocks and you know when we talk about growth stocks in this context we're talking about it the way academics look at growth stocks which is not these aren't companies that necessarily are growing rapidly these are companies that are expensive so these are the opposite of value so you've got value and you've got expensive and so we look at those two and say what is the spread between them. So how much more expensive are growth stocks than value stocks right now, and how much more expensive have they been historically, and how does that compare? And so that, that, those are sort of the two ways you can look at the valuation of factors. You can look at it against its own history, or you can look at it compared to sort of the opposite of the factor.
0: Now, this can be good for some things and not so good for other things. So on the not so good, you know, you, you don't want to be using relative or absolute valuation or spreads to make short-term you know, market timing or forecasting calls, um, because those things are impossible to predict. Something can stay, you know, absolutely or relatively overvalued or undervalued for a lot longer than investors might think. Um, so, you know, with, with what we're gonna talk about today, this isn't, and, and some of the conclusions we might draw or th- observations we might make about where there's relative or absolute value, you know, we don't think short-term investing decisions should be made on those. Um, I do think, you know, to some extent, They can be useful for projecting, you know, longer term expected future returns, but even that isn't a slam dunk either. So I just think, you know, as we work into this, it's not, you know, to take any of this or think that any of this is really all that useful from a tactical standpoint, I think where it might be a little bit more useful is periods like we saw you know, maybe in March or, or, or April last year, when we had, you know, a historic spread between value and growth stocks. I mean, that looked like it was unprecedented. And actually, at the time, people that leaned into that, you know, value trade, it actually worked out um, quite nicely. But, you know, there's a little bit of luck involved in that as well. So those are just things that you want to sort of think about as we sort of talk about this type of valuation methodology.
1: Yeah, and we talked about this in our market valuation episode as well. You know, any kind of valuation, whether you're looking at the market, how expensive the market is, or things relative to other things, any kind of valuation, if if I want to try to figure out what's going to happen in the next year, it is probably pretty much useless to me. So, you know, you don't want to use this type of data to try to say what's going to happen. And and like you alluded to, you know, it can be a little bit more useful at, at extremes, but even the extremes, I mean... We, we look at the bottom at the coronavirus for value and say, "Well, value was extremely cheap at that bottom, and it was, but it had been extremely cheap for a long time. It had been in you know the first or second percentile for a long time, so it wasn't one of those things where you, you can 't even time the extremes really so l- like you said we 're really trying to figure out you know what is our expected return if i 'm a long term patient investor, what is my expected return?" And you know when, when a factor is extremely cheap, you probably have a better expected return in the future you know because of the fact that it's extremely cheap. But but like you alluded to as well, even that is very difficult to do. You know, if you look at the research on what you effectively are doing, if you're trying to do this is your factor timing using value. And the research on it, whether factor timing using value works is very mixed. I mean, AQR has found that it really doesn't have much value at all. Research affiliates found some more value. But again, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And, and even if it does work, you're probably going to be wrong for a period of time before you end up being right.
0: Right. Let's talk about how we actually get at the relative and absolute um, valuation rankings. And I'll let you kind of work through um, the methodology here because some of the things we do are a little bit different, um, but I think it's important to understand without going too far down into the weeds, you know, how we're actually determining these things.
1: Right. And, you know, we won't say that our, our way is the right way to do it. There's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, usually they draw similar conclusions. Like, for instance, pretty much any way you look at the relative valuation of value, which we'll talk about in a little while, value looks cheap right now. But I will explain just in detail the way we do it. And, and you know, the first thing you have to do is you have to define what the factor is. So I say, well, value is, is cheaper. It's expensive. Well, what is value? Or I say quality is cheaper, expensive. What is quality? You know, I, I need to use define what the metrics I'm going to use are to define the stocks that are high quality stocks. And so and in our case, like with something like quality, you know, we'll use a composite of a lot of different things, something, you know, some profitability will be considered consistency of sales and earnings, you know, ROE, ROTC, things like that. You know, we use a composite of a lot of things, but there's a lot of different ways to define it. And you can end up with very different conclusions depending on how you define it. So that's the first step to the factor. And then what we do is we rank our entire investable universe, which is about 2,800 stocks, you know, stocks that meet our liquidity requirements. We rank them all using that factor. And we take the top 20% and we consider that the factor. So in, in the case of value, we rank all 2,800 stocks based on their valuation. The 20% that are the cheapest, that is the value That's what we consider value. And then we take the median, which is just the middle valuation of that group. So the median of that 20% becomes what we consider, for instance, the PE of value right now. And we do the opposite with growth. We take the 20% of most expensive stocks, we take the median of that, and that is sort of the PE of growth right now. And then so we can look at the absolute valuation of value using that PE, or we can use the, the difference between the two of them to look at sort of a more relative valuation. Um, so so that, that's the concept is, is we're just doing that every single day. We're, we're defining value, we're defining growth, we're defining quality. We're looking at sort of the median PE or price to sales or whatever it is we're using within that group. And then we're looking at how that changes over time.
0: Right, so for value stocks currently, the answer is um, sort of, I think, on an an absolute basis, so relative to their historical valuation, the 20% cheapest stocks, um, they're sort of in the the middle in terms of where they are from an absolute cheapness perspective. Um, Correct?
1: Yeah, and this is where the nuance of this comes in. You know, When we do this with our tool on the site, we're using a lot of different metrics. So we, we do it with the P-E ratio, we do it with the price to sales, we do it with the price to book, we do it with different P-E ratios. We use a CAPE valuation, we'll use a projected P-E for, you know, based on next year's earnings. So this is where the nuance comes in because you can get different conclusions depending on what you use. And Let, let me give you an example of that, why I say value is mixed right now. First of all, the market is very elevated right now. So on an absolute basis, you'd expect every factor to be somewhat expensive because stocks in general are are expensive. So if if the entire market is sliding up that valuation scale, you'd expect everything to be somewhat expensive. But that's not completely true with value, but it sort of is. And so to give you an example, I'll look at two different things, the P.E. ratio and the price to sales. Value actually is not that expensive right now in the P.E. ratio. And one of the reasons is because coming off the coronavirus crisis, value stocks earnings have been going up. So, on a PE basis, they've been getting cheaper. But then also, margins right now are at historical highs. You know, tax rates are at historical lows. Interest rates are at historical lows. So, margins for companies right now are are at historical highs. So, what that means is, based on price to sales, basically everything is going to be expensive because everything is more profitable. So it makes them cheaper on P, makes factors cheaper on a PE basis, on an absolute basis and more expensive on price to sales. And so when you look at value, if you look at price to sales, you'd say it's very, very expensive. If you look at PE, it's sort of a little more middle of the road or cheaper. And and that's why it's difficult sometimes to, to totally define it because depending on the metric you look at, you can end up with different results.
0: Yeah. it's, It's interesting. Like in March of this year, you know, at least in the all stock, value stock universe, the trailing 12 month PE was 15. So that was higher than the historical average going back to 06. But if you look at it now, you know, the all stock lowest, the median lowest 20% of um, value stocks has a PE of 10.8, which is actually lower than the historical average over time. But like you said, that's, it's not like stocks have gone down. It's what's happened is the earnings have, have come up. And yet the price to sales, as you mentioned, is you know, continues to go higher. So um, that's interesting. The next one is uh, Momentum and it looks uh, cheap. This is interesting, looks cheap on an absolute basis and it looks cheap on a relative basis.
1: Yes, so just to go back to value just for a second, just because I didn't, I didn't cover the relative part. Um, value is cheap, but it does look cheap on a relative basis using any metric you use. So that whole phenomenon I talked about with price to sales versus price to earnings, that affects all stocks. And so it doesn't affect relative valuations. So whether you use the price to sales or the price to earnings or whatever, you know, if you compare value to growth, value looks very cheap right now. But to, to your point about momentum, yeah, you're right. And, and this, is, this is one of the most difficult ones to understand because momentum is a factor that has absolutely nothing to do with fundamentals. And so what that allows it to do is it allows it to change very rapidly so if you looked at momentum at the beginning of 2020 what did you have in there you typically had growth type companies in the momentum basket if you look at momentum now and this is sort of going to start to change because value hasn't been doing as well but coming off this huge run in value if you look at value momentum right now what is momentum momentum is value so basically what what happened is you know it's not like the momentum basket got cheaper or the momentum basket got more expensive what happened is the momentum basket completely changed Momentum, because it doesn't care about fundamentals, went from a basket of growth stocks to a basket of value stocks. And so what happens is just based on that basis, even though the market is expensive, momentum can be cheap because momentum was growth stocks in 2020 and momentum is value stocks now. Um, and, and so that, that's just the, the nature. You know, Corey Hofstein talks about momentum as a chameleon. And, and its nature as a chameleon means it can change very, very rapidly. And you know, by the way, this can go the other way as well. Um, you know, we've seen value struggling a little bit. We've seen you know, growth stocks tend to assert their dominance a little bit more. If that goes on for another six to nine months, this thing can completely reverse. So someone could be buying momentum right now because they think it's cheap. And then basically in six to nine months, it it will get very expensive again. But again, not because those stocks did well or poorly, just because it rotated, you know, it rotated back into a different, you know, grouping of stocks. And so that's what makes momentum very difficult. But yeah, like like you alluded to, momentum is cheap no matter how you look at it, because it is aligned with value right now. And it typically is not aligned with value. Mm -hmm.
0: The next factor is quality. So this is interesting, like, you know, quality stocks haven't been the top performers this year. It's mostly been, you know, a lot of low quality stuff up until recently um, where some of the higher quality, maybe larger cap, good quality growth companies have actually um, started to to revert higher. But um, on an absolute basis, quality looks expensive relative to itself. But on on a relative basis, it, you know, is above average, but it looks like it's getting cheaper.
1: Yeah, this is another example of when you want to look behind the scenes, you know, first of all, on an absolute basis, I mean, like we talked about at the beginning, the market is expensive. So you'd expect on an absolute basis, if the market's expensive, you know, high quality companies are probably expensive as well, and they are expensive as well. But what's been going on behind the scenes here is a little bit more interesting. So, you know, after doing well for a while, coming off of the, the bottom in 2020, that, that rally in the market has been led by low quality stocks. And so what happens is, if low quality stocks are leading this huge run in the market, the relative valuation of high quality stocks gets cheaper. And so you've seen this rotation. This is sort of reversed a little bit in, in recent months, but it, it went on for a long time. You see this rotation where, because low quality stocks are getting expensive, high quality stocks are getting cheaper on a relative basis, and so high quality begins to look more attractive. And you know, we've talked about that in other podcasts, you know, how we see like in our cheapest value basket, we're seeing a lot more high quality companies in there than we have in the past. And so, you know, quality is not dirt cheap like momentum is right now, or, or value, but it is getting cheaper. It is moving its way down here as these low-quality stocks have have led the market rally off the bottom.
0: And the last one is low volatility, which we know coming into the coronavirus period. You know, low volatility stocks. If you think consumer staples, um, those types of uh, companies you know, investors were um, bidding those up, they had the qualities that you know, investors were looking for. So low volatility was very expensive coming into March of, of last year. But I think on an absolute and relative basis, um, it's sort of stayed, stayed more in this expensive zone, it hasn't really come down um, and looked attractive from a valuation
1: standpoint. Yeah, well, it slid down. You know, first of all, just uh, thinking about what happened in the past decade. I mean, low vol stocks have done very, very well. So you'd expect, you know, after after they've had a period where they've done exceptionally well, that they're probably expensive, and they were, and they were very, very expensive. In you know, at the two thousand twenty bottom, but then they they did very, very poorly. And they've done a little better recently but they did very very poorly off the bottom and so what happened is they got more and they didn't get to the point where they were dirt cheap or anything like that but they, they got to the point where they were definitely getting cheaper um, you know and research has sort of shown that you know when low volatility is cu- coupled with value it does a lot better and so that was a good thing that you know those low volatility stocks were, were becoming cheaper and cheaper but then we've sort of seen this reversal in the market in the past few months and so low volatility has gotten more expensive again it's, it's not as expensive as it was you know in 2020 but it's getting more and more expensive so you know the, the conclusion on on low volatility is right now. It is. It's very expensive, absolutely relative to its own history, and it's also expensive relative to high volatility or its inverse. So yeah, that. On, on a, if if you were just looking at factors using this, you know, you would say low volatility is not that attractive right now.
0: I think one of the things that sort of th- this helps me when I think about these things, I kind of can take a wider view of the trends that are happening in the market and what stocks are doing, what types of stocks are doing well, and maybe the why behind it, because that's really what's going on in all of these cases. What we're talking about is this, you know, relative and absolute valuations for all these factors. But when you start peeling the layers back, it helps you understand what has taken place in the market, what stocks have worked, what stocks haven't worked, the valuations coming into certain periods. And I mean, you and I do this day in and day out. It's our jobs. You know, we sort of talk about this stuff and I think it might be sort of a little bit in depth sometimes, but if you really think about the things that I think Jack has sort of said here, it's really keying in on trends in the market and at different points in the cycle, you have various stocks that are working or not working for, you know, fundamental and economic reasons. And so, you know, that is hopefully as you think about this, it's not so much about like Knowing exactly what these factor valuations are, it's really trying to get at, okay, what do they tell you about the underlying trends in the market? And what can you learn from that as you look, you know, to invest for the long term?
1: You know, and that ultimately may be the biggest value here is is understanding what's going on behind the scenes versus any sort of implementable investment strategy. Because like we talked about before, if you're gonna try to time factors using value, it's very, very difficult. But let me give you an example. So if you think about value stocks struggled for a very long period of time. Well, one of the things you might wanna know if value stocks struggled for a very long period of time is are they getting cheaper? Because they can struggle and not get cheaper. They can struggle because their fundamentals are terrible because their, their earnings are not growing so this is a sort of a way looking at the value of value relative to growth is to say all right value has struggled relative to growth for a long time but has it gotten cheaper because of that because if it's gotten cheaper it might be a little more attractive you know or, or you might be able to understand better what's going on That the fundamentals of the businesses are not driving this so i think that's where it can be useful it can be useful in understanding behind the scenes what's going on and in some cases it can be useful in terms of implementing it in an investment strategy it's just. For most people that's very, very difficult and you know the timing of it is, is very hard.
0: Okay, so thank you guys for watching this episode. We'll put links to the tools on Validia that can show you some of this stuff in the show notes. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at jjcarboneau. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.